Foodie Films is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Hey there, foodies, and welcome back to another episode of Foodie Films. Of course, this is your host, your chef de cinema cuisine, Kyle Reinfried. What's going on? What's happening? How are you? What's new, foodies? You know what I did the other day? Uh, yeah, just just literally the other day on Columbus Day, I went and I went into India Square, into Little India, and you know you heard me talking about with Alessia. And Nicole and Brian on the 100-foot journey. And so I got some Indian food. I grabbed it with Brant, who, uh, if you listen to this podcast frequently, he was had, you know, had his own first cut episode. He was on the Ratatouille episode. He's definitely going to be on an episode in the near future. So yeah, we went and we went to Razoy, which is one of the oldest Indian restaurants in Jersey City. It's been open for over 20 years now. It was in that article in uh cnn travel and so yeah had a delightful lunch ordered way too much <laughs> both of us and took it to go he's like ah great this is lunch the next day of course i got home in like a half hour hour later i was like ah you know i, I could eat a little bit more and i finished it and i'm like why why did i do that i mean it was all delicious but I just i don't know when to say enough is enough sometimes i gotta work on that but with such delicious food, I don't. It's nearly impossible for me sometimes. But uh, yeah, I still I need a, I need some tutelage in Indian cuisine. So guys, shoot me your recommendations, your favorite dishes. Send a picture, tag me in it, all that good stuff. Uh, speaking of tagging and posting and all that, I Brian recently told me that. So what? It's Google. I I am a I'm a slave to Apple. So it was always, uh, what I, iTunes podcast. Now it's Apple Podcasts, right? So point being, there's Google Play or there was Google Play. Now it's Google Podcasts. So if you listen to it on there, well, I guess everything's going okay because you're hearing me now since it switched. But just uh, yeah, make sure it's you're still subscribed on that. I don't really know how. All that works but point being we are on apple podcast we are now on google podcast stitcher spotify and of course on the mothership if you just want to stream it on cageclub.me the cage club podcast network and talking about the network i've got the the podfather himself joey lewandowski 
Okay, this is the third movie episode I've had Joey on, had him on for the uh, short-lived, maybe I'll start doing some again, I don't know, but those short sessions, but they were were so much fun, I did three of those with uh, Joey, uh, Mike Manzi, and Brian, and really enjoyed those, but anyway, this is the third movie, every time, out of of respect that one gives a godfather, since he's the podfather, I'm like, you tell me what film you want to talk, and he said Raw. Raw. You're going to hear everything I have to say about it. Uh, I was very... I, I went into it just not not th- thinking that it's going to be a bad movie, but I just don't do well with horror and gore. But uh, you're going to hear the conversation and how it unfolded for me and to Joey's... Uh, well, he says he wanted to torture me. So there you go. And we're talking raw. Ooh, baby, I like it raw. Here I go, talking with Joey Lewandowski. Welcome back, Joey. Thank you so much. When was the last time I, I was on for Butter? I know that. But yeah, I think we support did the girls. One. You were on one, when I did one of those short sessions, yes. but then support the girls. Yes. It's a little, you're a little past when we seem to be recording. You know, the first one was when I started Foodie Films in August of. Well, I guess that would have been 2018. Then August of last year. But you know what? Like, uh, I asked you like a little too late in this August, and uh, you said, "How about September?" And well, here we are in October. But this is a perfect film because we're releasing this next week, and so this is a perfect film to release in October. Raw man, I am so excited to hear what you think <laughs> of this movie. Um, yeah, like the this summer was crazy because we doubled down on Too Fast, Too Forever once COVID hit and we were all home. To keep them from going crazy, Joe and I started doing two a week on Too Fast, Too Forever, our Fast and Furious podcast. And then Mike and I were like, hey, let's go weekly on both Tom Tom. So we were doing two a week of those. Woo. And then as we got to the end of Cruise and then again toward the end of Hanks, we're like, let's just get them all done. And so when you were like, hey, you want to come back on the show? I was like, absolutely. Can't be anytime soon because <laughs> I am doing at least four a week for like the foreseeable future. Uh, God bless so, you because that's a lot, a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. I uh, I struggle. I enjoy very much the foodies. I'm not complaining about uh, you know being the host of this podcast, but it's it can be a struggle for me to. It, it's more about scheduling and like organizing and getting guests than the actual recording of it because that that part I enjoy. It's just sitting down, pressing a button, and talking. So. I enjoy that aspect of it, of course. But here we are, and you're back for the third, I mean, you know, third and a half time, because again, there was those, the short-lived short sessions. Uh, but every time, but you chose Butter, you chose Support the Girls, you chose Raw. But before we get into the movie, I just want to, we, we haven't actually really talked in a while, so I just want to catch up with you and how you doing. I mean, how, I mean, you, you kind of obviously filled us in podcast-wise what you've been doing, but... I know you're 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 pretty strict when it when it comes to uh, you know uh, bu- bunkering down and social distancing. I've I've loosened a little bit, but yeah, I think compared to most of the world, I'm still radically strict. Like there were stretches of this year where I was not going anywhere. Like I was going to the grocery store every five weeks and like spending two hundred fifty or three hundred dollars and like being like, "This is my groceries for the month. Like let's just do it." Right. And not going anywhere else. Like I went. It was almost 100 days, I think, between gas station fill-ups. It was crazy. Wow. Wow. That's, I mean, I know already you're, you work from home for the most part. I know you take some business trips and stuff like that. So as far as an adjustment in that department, it wasn't crazy. But still, that's got to be 
just I, I mean, I even remember when it was not driving for like two weeks. I'm like, I just need to go out for a drive because it's just weird not being in a car. It is weird. And like that, I, I there were a couple times this summer where I was just like, I just need to drive around. Like on Fourth of July, like I don't ever have I, I have a couple different friends who often throw Fourth of July parties. So like I kind of bounce around year to year, one to each of those or whatever. But I don't really have like a this is what I do every year. But Fourth of July this year was one where I was like, I need to like just not be home. Like this is. You know, whatever you think of the country right now, spoiler, not great. Um, <laughs> it's, I was like, I need to, this, I need to sort of commemorate this in some way. And so I went out and I like, I think I got like an ice cream. Like I went to like a quick check and I got an ice cream and then I just drove around and like looked for fireworks and just like drove and like what didn't have a place to be or a destination in mind. But it was one of those days, one of those days where I was just like, no, I need to not be on my couch, which yeah. I have, you know, there, we Joe and I have joked about this a lot on Too Fast, Too Forever. Like, I've been training for this for a while. Like, I have so much to watch and to play and to read and to listen to. And, like, I am not really making a dent in my back cattle. Like, it's, I have so much to occupy myself, but it is weird just being trapped home all the time. And I've been a little bit more lenient about, you know, getting food from places I've only eaten at one restaurant and that was outside. I still haven't done any indoor dining to mm-hmm. bring it here, but yeah, it's been, it's been a weird year. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely was you know, pretty, uh, you know, I mean, not pretty, very, very cautious, like through, you know, May, May once the nice weather, then it was like, okay. I, uh, I mean, even Danielle and I, before she moved in in June. So when this hit, we were even just going on, walks together we would just hold it was like 1950s courting we were just holding hands and yeah and it's sanitizing because she's you know she's an essential worker and as a photographer going out and she really did she was covering covid stories but i don't uh, I, I mean she was around some first responders but she never had to go into a hospital i believe if i'm, if I'm remembering correctly but still i mean between that so we were very cautious in that department but once like you know of course, once the warmer weather came around, not that we were irresponsible, but we just, with other friends knowing, like, uh, for instance, with Brian and Nicole, Nicole is also an essential worker, being a nurse, and so we knew that she was getting tested, and obviously he was working from home, so it's like Brian and I were in the same boat, that they're essential, they're both getting tested frequently, so we figured if we were going to get it, we would get it from them. So we kind of were a little loose in that department, but uh, yeah, I mean, once, once you could eat outside, I definitely started to do so, but it was, it was weird. And you end and being in Jersey city and obviously just a decent amount of people, you know, what places are kind of getting away with what they shouldn't be. So yeah, I'm not going to rat them out, but I'm going to, but I'm not going to go there obviously. So, so it's it. I, I live definitely more in a in a gray area, but uh, just I had I even had a little scare last week. All of a sudden, we came back from breakfast and I just was shivering and felt hot. I'm like, fuck, you know, this is all right. Like I've been not sick for six months, and I got a test. I was negative. I just you know must have been some kind of bug, but it just scared me because it just hit me so fast. And like I said, I hadn't been sick in a while, but luckily. Uh, came back negative, and I'm willing to share those results with the American public. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, it is a real thing. Yeah, I um, that's the one thing. Like, I I don't often get sick. Like, normally, what happens with me is I get like a really bad thing once every two years, and it wipes me out for like a week or two. And 
but I also sometimes like have the sniffles a lot. But I feel like not going places. Then when I go places wearing a mask, obviously it's like, oh, I'm just never sick anymore. Like it's just this is great. Like this is wonderful. Yeah, like yeah, not seeing yeah. people. You know, not going to CES this upcoming year because CES is all digital. It's just like, oh, okay, this is uh, this is interesting. I can get used to this. Yeah, I mean the world is forever changed. I mean once we even get a a vaccine and, and everything that comes with that, just how business is being done how people will socialize as far as even you know obviously handshakes and stuff like that i mean i even i did a gig yesterday i'm not gonna say where with who it was outside it was this uh it was like a vehicle reveal and there was very uh you know it was for financing and stuff like that and so there was a lot of people with deep pockets there and I don't know their political affiliation, but let's just say they just didn't seem to care too much. And a lot of like hands on the back and the one like guy that was running this came up to me to like and put out his hand. And I just put out my elbow and gave him a little, you know, give him the, you know, uh, as, as, a, as a hello greeting versus shaking his hand. Of course. Because even yes. if I, I had a mask on, he didn't. I had a mask on. I have hand sanitizer with me. But I, I don't know. Just. Uh, not a vaccine out there yet like wh- why you know we don't have to sh- you don't have to shake my hand that's pretty much yeah no no reason no reason for it <laughs> but i mean we also didn't get to foodies if you haven't listened to uh well number one any uh, any of joey's podcasts i don't know what you're doing because he is uh, the pod father one of the, the co-founders of well, this network so what are you doing and like i said we've got uh you've been on like kind of two and a half episodes of this show and we've talked about your your barbecues your your familia you know cage club podcast network and the other friends of yours big get togethers so unfortunately you know that was the forever getting pushed waiting to see if anything you know being hopeful and uh something would happen over the summer which obviously did not but uh i, I miss that that was always you would have like a it was like a two-day fest just because so many people invited and whoever couldn't make it Saturday would come Sunday, vice versa. Yeah, I tried to have it like I had it scheduled for Memorial Day before COVID happened. And then that didn't happen. I kept pushing it back a month because I wanted something to look forward to. And then it was clear that we weren't going to be able to do this. And then eventually in August, I think it was in August. Yeah, it was a little over a month now where I was just like, OK, look, I'm having this. Uh, but if I'm if I'm coming to it, if you're coming to it, I want you to self-isolate for two weeks. And if you can't, like, no hard feelings, because you and Brian both messaged me almost immediately. just like, look, you know, Danielle and Nicole are both out and about, and, like, there's nothing we can do. And I'm just sorry. I'm like, no, look, I, I know that, like, this is a tall ask, but, like, I need to see people every once in a while, and I want to do this. And so what it wound up being is just me hanging out with, like, a very small group of friends. Like, I think four people who were all friends, like, they they hang out and they just came over and I was like, yeah, like this is cool. But it was a different thing altogether than my normal two day extravaganza where the first day where Brian or the first time I ever had it, where Brian's giving tours of my house. I'm like, Hey man, like, okay, cool. Like just go do that thing. I guess. (laughs) Were the good kind of Corona's shared at least. Uh, no, I don't think anybody had beers. We just had Kava. I don't know if you, if you know Kava, but Kava is like the Mediterranean, chipotle equivalent kind of Mm -hmm. Uh, we got that and we had water i had like a iced tea i don't know like it it wasn't like a part we we played played video games like that was all it was okay it was great like don't get me wrong one of the best days of the year if only because there's not a lot else that went on but yeah we played a lot of smash brothers and stuff it was fun but yeah no coronas but yeah no no toretto favorites okay 
and no, and ju- no, no, no. and just even with that that frame, I mean, all movies, I mean, just keep getting pushed and pushed unless, obviously, I mean, as far as bigger blockbusters, Mulan was released, but I think, uh, uh, boy, Wonder Woman, I think is the but today uh, they were recording just a bunch were rescheduled for either this you know pushed to the summer or even to twenty twenty two. So yep. and Fast and the Furious uh, or Fast Fast Nine is that what it's going by? F nine, F nine, F nine. Okay, I think. Yeah, yeah. And will they go to space? We don't know. Will they cure Corona? That would be. Well, two they should people, just... <laughs> both Ludacris and Michelle Rodriguez, have both confirmed that they're going to space, which is like, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll believe when I see it. Not that I don't believe them, but I just, I don't know if that's like sleight of hand or just really bad PR. I don't know, <laughs> or good, <laughs> or really good. I don't. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe by the tenth one, if there isn't, I mean, I would I would hope that there's a a vaccine, but maybe that's what they uh, that's the big plot that they save us all. I don't know. So that's it's, a, it's supposedly going to end at ten. They have to go to space, I think, by this point. But I don't know where you go. The main franchise they say is ending at ten, but they also say that ten might be split into two parts: classic HBO situation or Kill Bill situation. I don't know. Mm. Um, I don't know. I will, we'll see how it goes, but that just got delayed, I think, six weeks, right? So now it's supposed to come out this past May. Now it's going to be Memorial Day 21. So, you know, the, the wait continues. And what lap are you guys on now? We are the... on lap seven. We yeah. are watching through right now with the co-hosts of the HTML, the Husbands Talking More or Less podcast, Nika Vasello and Kevo Reese. We are watching the movies for the seventh time and our pit stops in between. We're covering Michelle Rodriguez movies and we're covering movies about memory loss. Because as you know from the movies... Uh, she dies, but then comes back and doesn't have a memory. And so we're covering movies like Memento or Dark City, or we just did last week a couple wacky, weepy, we called Weepy Wacky Romance Week, which was <laughs> The Wives He Forgot, which is a Lifetime original movie. And then we did the Channing Tatum, Rachel McAdams movie, The Vow. Oh, so, I remember that yeah, one. We're, yeah, it's, it's, it's not quite Fast and Furious. Like I, we, we joke a lot about how people looking at our feet are like, what the fuck are they doing? Like that, this isn't Fast and Furious, but it, it makes sense to us, right? Yeah, and I feel, I feel like Channing Tatum could join the Fast and Furious universe. I feel like he would fit in. Oh, yeah, we would love any of our guys, like Zeph or him or Gosling or anybody that we've talked... I mean, anybody in the network that we've talked about, right? Not just yeah. me and Joe, but anybody could cross over. I think they'd all work in some regard. Yeah, and, like, I mean, even in, obviously, once the this main story, you know, group ends, obviously, there's Hobbs and Shaw. I'm sure there will be other ones, uh, you know, coming out, so maybe maybe they'll, they'll be in, in that capacity, too, so... Yeah. Well, you know what? Let's get. I know you want to hear my opinion on this. I want. I want to hear yours because this. Uh, you, you, when I asked you what movie, you were like, "Raw." So, why? When? When did you see it? Why did you pick this? Why do you love it? All that stuff. So I saw this at Fantastic Fest for three or four years. Like I moved down to Austin. So Fantastic Fest, if you don't know, do you do you know Fantastic Fest or no? I know the name, but I don't like really know what the what's behind it. So it's evolved a little bit, um, and I don't go anymore because of, it got really expensive, and there was also really bad PR around it, and it was just it became a mess of a situation. Mm-hmm. But Fantastic Fest is a horror and sci-fi and fantasy and otherwise genre film festival held each September in Austin, Texas. And so when I moved down there, I went the first year kind of to a half of it, 
like you could buy like a second half badge and I went to that and then I started going the next three or four years mm-hmm. like the, the, the second year that I was down there I went and then I flew down I think at least twice more so I think I probably went to four um, but it's wonderful like it's a eight day film festival if you see a movie in every slot you wind up seeing something like 37 movies in eight days like it's insane and a lot of them are not great because a lot of horror movies are not great like they're just you know micro budget or whatever but they're interesting ideas and then every once in a while there's a movie like raw or other movies that we call like i made the contenders tobin and Island watch this movie revenge which is another french horror movie uh like a rape revenge thriller and like there are these movies that i'm just like this is unlike anything that i've ever seen before and it it's a special place when there's a good movie because you're surrounded like you're in a packed theater which obviously can't happen now and they they did. They're doing like a digital. They did a digital sort of version this year, but not full, not full fledged, not full out. That I didn't go to because like the movies I really wanted to see, they weren't showing online, which was annoying. But mm-hmm. um, it's very cool because you're in a packed auditorium with you know 200 people who love the same kind of movies that you love, and they're all there, and it's like the best film crowd audience, like any film festival, because like you pay the money to be there. Yeah, and it's just great. And so a movie like Raw comes around. And it gets this buzz because other it played other other festivals first, and as I'm sure you read, like people passed out and people had to walk <laughs> out, and like people just this movie made them so uncomfortable. Yeah. And so there are a handful every year that I'm like, oh, I need to see this. And Raw was one of those, and I was like, oh yeah, this movie rules. Like I loved this movie. I've now seen it three times. Um, I hadn't seen it in a couple of years. Like I probably saw it for the first time four four or five years ago maybe and i i don't remember what i don't remember what fall because like the weird thing is that like because of the festival circuit movies come out like they're actually released way later yeah so i I, my my whole memory of like when movies quote-unquote come out versus when they actually come out like i don't know so it's like four or five years ago then i saw it after it came out on vod or whatever but i hadn't seen it probably in a couple years and i watched it again last night i was like oh no i like this movie is perfect like i love this movie so much and i love it even more knowing that like this is not at all your kind of movie and (laughs) i was just perversely kind of like sadistically reveling in like how uncomfortable this was likely going to make you so i can't wait to hear what you think about it okay so well raw (laughs) came out it premiered at cons in cans in 2016 so that's like in the what what time of year is that is that may usually I think so. I so, think okay, like so I probably saw it in, yeah, I probably saw it in September 2016. That would make sense. And then cut to, it didn't come out to American theaters until 2017. I think in like early 2017, because the whole thing is like, I read a couple of uh, reviews or, yeah, just kind of, you know, one, one of them, Rolling Stone, absolutely, the critic from there uh, loved it and was just saying like, America has get out this year, which that was, so that was 2017. And this is like, you know, the international horror film you got to see. This is the French horror film you have to see. Um, And I remember seeing the trailer for this and being Mm -hmm. very intrigued. Mm -hmm. And because it looked beautiful, it was just a trailer. You know, there's sometimes, I I know you're uh, a little... um, hesitant watching trailers for spoiler reasons but there's certain trailers that like i watch i mean sometimes i even love the trailers more than the movie or just ones that are just some of the best like some of my favorites just in uh past decade memories i love the one for the social network with like the choir version of creep 
Um, the one for the master really stood out. Uh, that, those are just two that really always come to mind. And I, and I, and I just rewatch, I've seen the movies several times and I just rewatch the trailers for fun. Cause I, I think that they are masterpieces of their own. Um, yeah. I mean like, look, I've, I think I've probably said this to you before. I love trailers. No, There's yeah, nothing yeah. I love more than a trailer. I just hate how most trailers are cut that they're so spoilery, but like there's nothing more exciting than like a well-cut trailer Mm -hmm. or like a well-cut, you know, at the end of the year, I just tweeted last night at David Ehrlich. I don't know if you know him. He writes for IndieWire and every year he puts out his 25 favorite movies of the year. He does a video countdown and it's wonderful. It's one of my favorite things of the year. And I tweeted him last night. I'm like, please, please give me something to look forward to because I know that we have fewer movies this year than normal, but, like, I need this. And he responded. He's like, maybe, question mark, I'll try. And everybody's like, maybe. And, like, it kind of, like, not went viral, but, like, you know, In like the, 30 yeah. people liked my tweet and, like, 50 liked his or whatever. Like, people saw it, right? Yeah. And there's nothing I love more than a movie trailer or something like he does where it takes the best moments of a movie and crafts a story within. Like, I agree with you wholeheartedly, but it's just when you see... 25 minutes of like a new Marvel movie before the movie actually comes out. It's mm-hmm. like, I don't, I don't, like, I know that I'm going to see this movie already. Like, if I've never heard of the movie before and you have, you show me like a badass trailer, I'm all in. Like, that's all I need. Yes. Like, I don't yeah. need to be sold on Avengers Endgame. Like, I've seen the first 21 movies. I'm not going to not see this. I don't need to get more excited. I'm going to go. I, I very much agree. I, although, I mean, I do still watch those trailers because I also then to then go further than what you're saying all because all that is true at the same time i'm like i know i'm gonna see these and even if i watch the trailer and i get some information that ooh maybe i wish that was in theaters i'm still gonna want to see it so I, yep. I don't know it's just like those like i'm not too worried about spoilers per se but yeah i mean there's definitely uh, john wick you know is one of those movies that because at that point Keanu is kind of like before that came out you know that was like that revitalized him as an action star and so he was kind of you know a punchline a little bit of a joke he had memes and everything uh and I saw that trailer and I'm like fuck yeah because even before that I mean the raid uh was yep. colon redemption i guess is technically mm-hmm. that was one that i saw that trailer and i went to the you know the multiplex in edgewater because that which is closed now but that was always a good one for me to go to because it just i don't know just maybe because it's right across the river had a lot more movies that would also play in new york and but not a lot in new jersey i mean those were trailers that i saw um and i was like Fuck yeah! I I oh Drive is actually I saw nothing for Drive and I went to that movie and then that became like one of my favorite films and then I watched the trailer afterwards and I'm like oh my god this is per- that's a trailer that I watch all the time and I just absolutely love um, one of my favorite trailers and as it, this is gonna it might surprise you my one of my favorite trailers is the trailer for the Entourage movie um, <laughs> no I because yeah yeah. yeah. Good. Because the trailer starts and it looks like this generic as hell mm-hmm. action movie and it just looks dumb and like just this weird heist and I'm like, this looks bad. Well it's the Jekyll and, and like Hyde movie, right? The producers who brought you Medellin and Aquaman, I'm like, oh my god, I know what this is! And like, just then alone, I'm like, that is the coolest way to open a trailer. Like, that movie's not good. I, hey, I, that fine, ends up winning like, it's, Golden it's Globes. 
that movie. Yeah, but like, man, I was just like, to to make the trailer of the trailer, I'm just yeah, like, this is, yeah. this is beautiful. I love it. Like, that still kind of, like, I, I laugh about it, even thinking about, like, how excited I got in a theater seeing the trailer for the Entourage movie, because I'm like, oh my god, this is so weird and cool. Yeah, hey, that movie, I, I think it's just called Hyde. I don't know. It's something like, but got Johnny Jamra, the uh, Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actor. So there you go. Oh, very cool. Very important. <laughs> I will also say that John Wick was another one at Fantastic Fest, and I did not fully appreciate it at Fantastic Fest because it's there. It, it's it's a, Fantastic Fest does a thing where like a movie like Raw, it, it, it I think it does one of two things. Either when you watch five movies over the span of like twelve or thirteen hours, you're either like these are all the greatest movies I've ever seen, and I'm riding such a high, mm-hmm. or it kind of gets lost in the shuffle, and so. A lot of movies that I think I love, I watch removed from that environment, like Alone at Home, and I'm like, yeah, it was good, but it wasn't like mind-blowing like I thought it was. Or John Wick, which I is now one of my favorite movies. Like, that first one I think is perfect. And I saw it in just like the middle of the day, and I think I was tired, and I was like, I just, I had come seen the movie, and I knew I had three more to go or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, this is cool, but like, I don't really, like, my friends are like, oh my god, how was it? I was like, yeah, it was good. And then I watched it again, I was like, oh, like, what did I miss? So, like, there's a weird <laughs> yeah. thing about yeah. film festivals, but yeah, I saw that early, and I was just like, that was good. And then I saw it again, like, in theaters, and I was like, oh no, I'm an idiot. Like, this was amazing. Yeah, when I when I saw that trailer and just the way he looks up when he's tied and he goes, "Yeah, I'm thinking I'm back." Like I'm just like, "Yeah." Ugh, okay, yep. so, hook line sink, you got me. I'm there. Uh so yes, I remember <laughs> long story long. I remember seeing this trailer and being very intrigued. And then I started reading all the stuff that was like uh, one. I mean, one of the things I read the in the New Art Theater in L.A. handed out custom uh vomit bags, and then pe- oh, people oh for this movie for yes, this yes, movie yes, yes, yes. and people are you know are yeah are getting sick and uh, I've got a very I I, I shouldn't I, I don't want to say love hate because none of them are none of it's hate. But I guess love and can't stomach when it comes to horror films because also horror for a while uh, with the uh, Texas Chainsaw reboots and then of mm-hmm. course of course Saw uh, all those that was horror for a while or at least the horror that was mainstream and you know uh, it was that I was aware of. I guess in the, during the two thousands and I just wanted no part of it. Cause I don't like gore and, but on top of, you know, cause there's gore in this movie, but just very, I, I don't know, just, um, painfully like, I mean, obviously saw and just having, yeah, to, it's the, it's the torture. Porn the, element, yeah, right? the, the, yeah like, exactly. It, torture porn. Yes. So when I, when I was in college, I had Tobin for a class. That's how I met Tobin as a professor. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about how horror. I still remember this, and like it put saw in a context that I appreciated. But I still like I liked the first few, and then I was just like, I'm, I don't need it anymore. Like I never liked like Eli Ross, like Hostel. I was like, yeah, this is one of just them. Grisly. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. But what I appreciated from Tobin was he was talking about how horror is always a reflection, like like a lot of art, of what's going on in society. And around that time. It was right after 9-11, and there was Guantanamo Bay, and we were hearing about torture and whatever. We mm-hmm. were just, yeah. we were all scared of the unknown, and so they tapped into that fear, and that's where torture porn came out of. And I think as we kind of moved on as a society, we kind of moved on from that kind of horror, but I do think that there is a real breed of people, not breed is the wrong word, but like 
who think horror is that, or they think horror is like PG-13 stuff that they saw in high school on dates. And there's such, not even, you know, the elevated horror that people like to talk about and then rail against like the Ari Aster stuff, which is amazing, but like stuff like this, like there, there's so much amazing foreign horror film, like so many amazing horror, horror films from other countries, like France, especially like this, and like Germany, Sweden, like all these yeah. countries that like people don't, they don't know where to look unless you're like a horror diehard junkie. And then you're like, oh, there's a whole other world. Like if you're okay with subtitles, like you're, you're, there's so, like you're the best horror movies are almost the ones that aren't popping up in theaters. Like I, this might be in theaters maybe, but like, it's probably just like in your local indie theater. Like this isn't in like an AMC or a Regal. Like this is. You have to go work to find this, but once you do, if you like this kind of movie, you're rewarded. Definitely. I, I, I agree with all of that, and I guess I always, or and still kind of do, with, with even that knowledge, uh, treat horror even almost the way I treat country music, which is, this, I go like, I like the, the old stuff. Give me Johnny Cash, give me like Hank Williams. And so in that effect, give me Jaws, give me Psycho. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I remember as far as even then a horror film and then an American remake that I absolutely loved was what, so let's see if I get this right. The um, European version is Let the Right One In. Which is amazing, yes. And then there's the, right the American in. movie, which is directed by Matt Reeves, which is Let Me In. Is that... Which is also really good. It's very good. I mean, it's a pretty much a shot-for-shot remake, so it's one of those that they just go, you know what, like, this is a really great film. We just know that a lot of Americans aren't going to watch this, so why... So, since they're not going to watch this, but it's really good, why mess with a good thing besides just making an American-English version of it? Which is which is what they did, I think, and so yeah, I mean that's the whole thing. Like there was another movie that I saw at Fantastic Fest called uh, Force Majeure that they remade into that movie, not Downfall, Downhill, I think, the Will Ferrell, Julie Louis Dreyfus movie about the the dad who like freaks out and like runs away from his family in time of a disaster. Oh, like that movie was it. amazing. Okay, and I loved the original, and they remade it, and nobody liked it. There's the movie Tony Erdman which they're remaking supposedly with Bill Murray, but like that, the original is amazing. And there's so many movies that are not that old. Like there's a movie called In Order of Disappearance with, ooh, not Stellan, maybe Stellan Skarsgård? Mm-hmm. Maybe one, maybe him? But then he was in the American remake too that came out like this year. And I was like, what do you do? Like stop it's like it. Girl, like, stop girl with a Dragon things. Tattoo. That's, you know. Also that, but I but I love that remake. Like I didn't see the originals, but I love that remake. I think that might be my favorite Fincher movie. Oh which wow! Is cr- no, Zodiac is never mind. Yeah. Sorry. Ooh, but... look at us agreeing on uh, that right there. That's the best. I love. Yeah. Such. I a... keep saying oh, perfect, but, you... but like, yeah, I do. I do mean these movies are perfect. No, I mean Zodiac to me is a perfect film, and I, I, I mean, you know, I don't know if that's. I know it's not a horror film, but there, you know, it's definitely because even the only physical violence is in the first 45 minutes and like i mean that park scene by you know the water is very you know very graphic um or i mean well yes and no it is but nonetheless like so i'm I'm just trying to get you to understand like that there are things that i see and there are like you know in the suspense horror that i enjoy it 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 follows was one i saw in theater that i absolutely i have it on blu-ray i love that movie and so 
I think it must have just been those reviews, little blurbs, because I, I, I don't know, like it just that just made me go like, oh, there's going to be just like a lot of visuals that I just won't be able. Not that I've a movie has never made me sick. I've never looked at anything and made me puke myself, but uh, it just yeah, just didn't sound like my cup of tea. But hey. I watched this and I really, really enjoyed it. Of course, there were some moments that I like kind of like, you know, looked away or like, you know, and definitely cringed and like tightened my eyes for a second. But I really, I I really dare I say loved this movie because good. Yeah, so glad. Yeah. So number one, thank you for uh, because our initial talk, I was just like, you know, yeah, well, at least it's uh, because you're like, I, I think you said. Besides the the visuals, the the horror aspect, also you'll be making me watch a foreign film, which I enjoy watching, or some, you know, also I should say subtitled film. But and I think my response to that was, well, at least I'll be reading more than watching. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yes. So, so this, this is not your first cannibalism movie. I know that you and Mike talked about Soylent Green very early on, where I was joking. I was like, you're already... Dib- like, yes. that's like in your first five episodes. I'm like, you're already going into cannibalism this early in the run. I'm like, did you? But was have you done other? I know that Texas I've listened to every episode, Massacre. but I can't think. Have you done other subtitle films? Oh, subtitle films. No. So actually, yeah, I have that written down. This is my this is my first. There are there. Are, hey, all right, there, cool. There are some. Did you do? There are some on my did list. You do other cannibalism movies. Um. So I did what I did Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So that's okay. And I might be. Um, I, I might be doing uh, uh, Silence of the Lambs. Not that that's, I mean, obviously Hannibal is a cannibal, but I'm just like still trying, um, debating whether or not that's like enough of stuff. But at the same time, it's October and I and it's fun talking those movies. Do you know the movie? Have you heard of the movie Cannibal Holocaust? Uh, I don't believe so. So it's a movie that I saw a long time ago. Like it's supremely messed up, and it the the backstory where. It's about a group of people who go down to South America to investigate a, a tribe of cannibals, and they don't return. Mm-hmm. And so they send down um, another group to go find them. I think maybe it's like a group of like journalists go down to like investigate, yeah. and they never return. So they send a second group down, and the second group finds their video footage, and the rest of the movie is like watching the video footage. And then Rambo helps but, them? Yes, Rambo <laughs> helps them. He shows up. It's, just, it's wonderful. But like... The movie was memorable because the director, I think, or the producer, one of them went to prison because the movie was so graphic and so well hid its effects. Uh And they were like, prove to us that you didn't murder four people. Like you and the guy's like, I'm not going to No, I'm not. And like he went to prison instead of being like, oh, like, that's how we did it. And so this guy went to jail for his movie, which is amazing. But the reason I bring it up here, I for suspicion of murder. No, I'm saying how how long? Do you know how long? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Uh, I don't. Ooh, I I'll, I don't remember uh, months. I feel, I think a few months. And then finally, he was just like, no, like I I got it. I got to get out of here. Yeah, whatever. yeah, exactly. Okay. But the reason I bring it up, the reason I think of it as a foodie film, is because when I was in Austin, I'm sure you've heard about, and they might even do it up here, like the feasts at the Alamo Draft House, where they pair food and wine yes, and whatever yeah. with with movies. And I went to a feast for cannibal Holocaust and I don't think it's a foodie film, but in my brain it is because I went to a feast for it. And like, it's, you know, a cannibal, I mean, cannibalism, whatever, I guess, but like this movie's a cannibal movie, but there's a lot of other actual food scenes in this movie. Like it's more 
foodie film than I think Cannibal Holocaust were just like about cannibals, right? Gotcha. Yeah, yes. And I mean, even, and that's why to Silence of the Lambs, I mean, Hannibal Lecter uh, is just such a foodie himself that it kind of like helps in that story. But obviously he's not the main, you know, uh, you know, it's Clarice's story. And so I'm just always debating with that one. Um, but yeah, getting into this movie, uh, I, I, I just love, it's just to the point, it's a simple, it, you know, that we get to this campus, this school right away. And so mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of that. It's just like, it's a simple enough story and it's just like, I knew from the trailer, I, the visuals are spectacular, and then these these actors. I just, I mean, you know, obviously, I, I'm not I'm not aware of them just from as far as being uh, French Belgian actors, uh, right? But they're they're definitely they're younger and they're and they're terrific. They just had me hooked the whole time and just really invested. I, something about this uh, this lead, I am going to butcher her name. Uh, Garance Marillier? I think so. Something. It's in that ballpark. Yes. Plays Justine. And so that's our our main character. And she is a a young woman. I think I was reading, you know, because they they start college or uni or whatever, vet school uh, earlier than we do in the States. So I think she's supposed to be around 16, 17. Yeah, this was one where I was like... You know, because Brian and I talk a lot about his show and about like all these movies, and I'm like, I love this movie. I want to talk about it, but I don't know if it's high school or not. And she looks so young, but also, I don't like this. Doesn't feel like a high school movie. It feels like a boarding school movie. And I don't. I think you're right because I think the older sister is supposed to be like a year older, but she seems like three or four years older. Like she seems like kind of wildly older, but she's like a year ahead, right? So I don't know. It's. I think she's more than a year ahead. I I I just got the vibe that she was at least. Like I, four years into this, okay, university or just I mean specifically because they're studying at the vet school, but there's also other medical schools I think around, right? That's what I was kind of at least from the subtitles picking up. Yeah, in the beginning, because they're saying like, oh, there's the morgue and there's the this and there's the that and there's the hospital. Like, I guess it could be maybe all vet. I don't know. Like, we only focus on the vet stuff, though, right? Like, we're only seeing the veterinary yeah. element of this. And so, you know, before the br- little briefness, I mean, just the way this movie starts out, we're just this kind of desolate country road, and then very much uh, almost like the beginning of uh, Punch Drunk Love, that all of a sudden there's this car crash, and then we see this individual in the middle of the road, and the car is uh, either a telephone pole or a tree, and the person gets up in the road, and just very haunting music plays, and then cut to you know that's that's the uh, the prologue, and we get into the movie where we meet these parents and uh, Justine, and they're driving her to her first you know to begin vet school, and they are I believe all vets and they are vegetarians, strict vegetarians themselves. Mm-hmm. And even at this road stop where they're getting some uh, road stop mashed potatoes, there's a little, I don't know, bit of beef or pork in it. And the mom goes up and yells at the person. And, you know, it's made a point like you didn't you didn't bite into that, did you? So it's just doing, you know, even if you didn't watch the trailer, you know, okay, something's going on with meat and you shouldn't be biting into it. So it's just got you really intrigued from that. 
And then once you get to the campus, they don't even want to stick around. The dad's very removed and very hesitant. And just it seems like they have an odd relationship with their older daughter, Alexia. And she's not there to greet them. And this is just uh, uh, definitely reminds me of, I mean, you know, you mentioned Hostel before. And I think that put... Uh, you know, I know when I started traveling abroad and I said I was going to stay at hostels, number one joke. And, you know, I mean, I'm one for low hanging fruit jokes, but number one thing I would hear like, oh, don't, you know, disappear like an Eli Roth movie or, you know, whatever, like just right. that association. But definitely when it comes to and I can attest to at least in certain parts of uh, Europe crazy raves and crazy parties and this vet school they're getting down they're this is i mean i was in a fraternity i wasn't hazed like this jesus they go hard on these freshman vets it's crazy yeah and that's night one that they wake them up <laughs> yeah. throw their mattresses out the window out the and then window. bring them to a party at like yeah. three o'clock in the morning right it's crazy it's crazy and they just go i mean there the the few there's a few moments in the film that i think are a little on the nose like when they are going down the stairwell when they're woken up like that or being brought somewhere i'm like oh this is great they're being treated like cattle and then all of a sudden the next shot is them crawling on their hands and knees and well i mean it looked really cool i'm just like mm, i got that already i don't know besides obviously belittling them and treating them that way i i just i i feel like the the message of being treated like cattle was more important just seeing them being crammed and like being like yeah yeah down the stairs versus actually seeing them on their hands and knees crawling through that like i don't know bottom of the building area but that's really that's me nitpicking on this because otherwise yeah i'm not sure <laughs> like i think it's just it's just uh there's a lot of animal related hazing not really to any end. Like, they eat rabbit kidneys. I'm not sure why. There's just things that are, like, cruel things to do to these young recruits or young students or whatever. And and people that, that are revolve. supposed to be out there treating animals. Yes. That revolve around the animal world but don't necessarily make sense, I guess. I don't know. It's It's a weird thing, but I don't mind it. I mean, I think it's... I think there's such an energy to the beginning of the movie where they they're getting through the party and then the party ends and I'm like I pause and I'm like wow like that was so good like I forgot how good it was because the energy of the music like the soundtrack in this movie is great and the the vibe of it all is great and like you don't know anything and you're as disoriented as Justine is and you know so little about the world and yet you're thrown into things with her and I'm like man this is there's such a an overwhelming sense of this is all new to me and then plus for us as dumb americans like in another language like there's that barrier too right so definitely and just the thematic elements of this film from you know body discovery sexual awakening uh experimenting in college the definitely uh like body empowerment and just with obviously plenty of when it comes to the the women talking from that one doctor telling the story of the the fat student or her sister commenting about her fitting into her uh, like cocktail dress to the one girl saying like oh it's better talking about kind of you know uh, making herself throw up so bulimia anorexia uh, just yep. just the the just taboos out there um her best her what her roommate and then who kind of becomes her best friend uh what's his name adrian um 
it just, I mean, you know, he he's finally. It, it seems like this is his time that he's decided to come out, and he he has that moment with uh, with Justine saying, you know, after because she ends up like losing her virginity to him, and he's just like, no, it took me this long to come out. Like I don't, you know, there's just so many so many levels in this movie of just it has a lot to say, which I'm which I'm all for, and I think it's done for the most part pretty uh, pretty smart. Yeah, I, 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 again, like with Adrian, I don't know if it's her best friend or maybe just her only friend. She's, yeah. She seems so out of place there. And, you know, her sister Alex is, uh, she's, a, for the most part, a pretty good sister and, like, you know, wanted to bring her up. And she's like, I'm so excited you're here. This is going to be so so great. And she's, you know, the the first, I guess, horrific thing, like, comes after giving her, like, a wax. Like, there's oh, there's God, things yeah. where there's bonding and they're they're doing things nicely together, but she just kind of seems. I think what this movie also is is in a way like a coming out story, obviously, but not in sexuality. Although she does, you know, lose her virginity here, but it's about coming to reality or coming to terms or grips or whatever with who or what you really are. And by the end of the movie, we find out that the family, at least the mom and the daughters, are all. I guess genetically cannibals. Yeah. And the final shot, the final reveal of the dad unbuttoning his shirt and just saying, I'm sure you'll find a solution, honey, that like his mom has been, or, you know, Justine's mom, his wife, the guy's wife has been biting him and eating him slowly, like through the years. And that's just what love is. And then Justine and her sister, like eating people in this movie. And there's the acceptance and the coming to terms with this, like trauma, like there's so much going on here as a metaphor for so many other things. And I think that she feels so uncomfortable and we're uncomfortable because we're in this, like they're dissecting cows and calves and like pulling things out. Like just, that's the stuff that got to me the most. That's the stuff that really, uh, yeah, really bothered me. And, or just even, yeah, any, any of the vet stuff, even when the sister is uh, working on that one cow on the backside, <laughs> like that's the stuff that got me more than, uh, than I guess, you know, yeah. Thinking about her when she's eating raw chicken. Yeah. That's disgusting. But I, I don't know. It was just, I quickly looked at that more as a prop than the other stuff, I guess. It's just, yeah. It, it, it as as far as just the way these students are being treated like we said i mean they get a i feel like it has to be a little bit of an homage to carry when the blood is dumped on them and just sure. the way it reminded me of like the joker's makeup in the dark knight how it just starts bleeding more and becoming you know like not just the perfect black around the eyes and the white these jackets just start just getting grosser and we see that even the older students keep them and they it's maybe at the end of the semester end of the year they write on them like little memories so it's just this whole de de de-evolution of just these students and i i just don't get how this is allowed on this campus that's i guess a little bit of uh uh i don't know uh in a in in a realm of the in a story about cannibals, the um, other unbelievable part of it all, just because it's you know it's not secret, it's out there. I feel like the professors are very well aware of it. Yeah, I mean, at one point when she's when Justine is realizing that you know she's been raised a vegetarian, never eaten meat, and you know has the meatball and spits it out in the beginning, like that seems like the closest she's ever come. Then she has the kidney, and then develops a rash and whatever but at one point she just grabs a hamburger patty or maybe like a yeah it was a hamburger you know, patty yeah 
and just puts it in her pocket. And like to your point about the coat, it's just like that's her like that's your everyday coat that you wear for school. Like what are you putting like a loose like sauced hamburger patty in your pocket? Like what are you doing? Yeah, once she tries enter, and that's the the important thing is like her her. Then we start realizing because she sees her sister at that first party and they've got a weird you know definitely a weird relationship she takes her into the uh i don't know some kind of basement science lab with all those dead animals in the jars and she shows her a picture of her parents when they went to school there and like look mom's even smiling and happy so we're just getting little hints to that her mom must be like not you know it's not just that roadside uh thing that we saw her mom is not a happy person uh and then the sister makes her eat that rabbit kidney she eats one herself and like you said she gets that rash that's when she goes to the doctor. She finds out her sister has also this rash cream too. So we start peeling back the layers and she, uh, she and uh, Adrian go to that roadside. So what, what do you think is more, what's a more famous shawarma scene, this one or uh, the uh, end of Avengers? <laughs> oh boy. I think the Avengers one, I mean, for a couple different, it just, it's so cathartic in that, but here, yeah, just her disgustingly eating shawarma. She's like, no, I can't, you know, it's like the there. I mean, there is a peeing scene in this movie where where her sister is like teaching her how to pee standing up, which is a whole other thing, whatever. But like, Justine's like, I can't do it when you watch. But like, she's just talking about eating meat, right? Like, she still feels so self conscious, yeah, about eating meat. But then like the guy, you know, he looks away. Adrian looks away to the truck driver, and she like digs in ravenously. Like it's, I think it's a better scene. Like the Avengers one is funny and is perfect and whatever. But like this is like a. Oh, this means something, right? It's not just like a a coda to the end of this adventure. Like they finally got the swarm. It's like, oh no, this is her transformation. Yes, it's just one more step that we're just seeing this animalistic side. Because uh, we're not exactly, you know, if this kept going and we found out that it is, I don't know, a f- vampire movie or a f- kind of a zombie movie like if it just kept going that way i, I wouldn't be necessarily surprised because there really isn't like a whole lot of cannibal content out there i feel like especially in a world where uh, i mean when this came out you know, i mean walking dead is still on and vampire movies are still going on that's just those are just always i guess that's because they're mythical so it's sexier because cannibals are just humans doing this you know they are they are us just being gross versus whatever if you want to go and you want to go true blood vampire sexy or uh or uh what are the uh why am i totally blanking on robert pat twilight you want to go that realm uh <laughs> <laughs> like of i i don't know there's just something you know cannibal is just such a just another obviously illegal and also very, just so taboo because it is real and we know of horrible serial killers that also did had cannibalistic tendencies so it's just very very interesting to me as far as that like it's that they stayed that route and didn't go vampire or zombie or what have you yeah like i wonder i guess the big question is where does she go after this movie right because it feels like her sister and her mom have it somewhat under control even though maybe her sister doesn't because her sister does murder the the Andre right like she murders Justine's roommate like yeah. by eating his leg while he's asleep like he's that dude's dead so like maybe the sister doesn't have it under control but it doesn't feel like they're going to stalk prey in the night it's just like it's an addiction right like it's a it's a metaphor for other things as opposed to 
the other thing, which I guess is a metaphor for different things. I don't know. Yeah, Alexia, I mean, is straight up murdering people because I'm led to believe that that's her in the beginning of the movie, right? Because then we see yes. she brings Justine out and the same they do the same thing, which is a bit that's just like it's. I understand like that road is. It feels like a very risky way to get to that yes, end goal. Yes, it's. I mean, and also it seems like it's for the most part the same road. So if that kept going on, I feel like. They would obviously post cops out around there. And like you said, risky that she has to run out, not get hit. The car then has to go off the road and then hit a pole. Uh, so, yeah, a little bit of a domino effect of a plan right there. But, I mean, that's definitely uh, forgivable. But, yeah, I def- I, I can't... I, I, I love the ending. The visual, the way this dad character the actor is playing this and just saying like oh you'll you'll figure it out for yourself sweetie like you know we did and you see all those pieces missing from his chest and my mind is just going like Mm -hmm. they never did like a family beach day (laughs) like it's my mind is yeah (laughs) what i did what was interesting to me was that watching this time knowing that that's the reveal and i don't remember if i thought this the second time i saw it but the entire movie he's obviously fully buttoned up but he's also got like a scarf on like extra layer extra protection between his chest and the world mm-hmm. i get you know it's it's fall in france i think they shot this in amsterdam or something but like and his lip all of a sudden the last scene i really yes. it really focused much more on yes. his lip which is what justin yes. also does to that guy right and i saw that earlier too and i forgot what that meant but yeah it's very visible at the end it's very red because it yeah she his wife probably bit the lip like when they're at that like another great visual moment also i want to shout out we have not said her name yet but might butcher the name julia de who is the director this is her first feature fucking incredible like it's amazing how good this is like across the board looks sound editing casting everything killed it as a director but the way that she has that scene where Justine gets covered in blue paint and there's a guy in yellow yeah. like don't come out till you're green and they go and they make out for a while or whatever and then she bites his lip ooh yeah that's that's off that's, kind of part of it off that was one of my, the more cringeworthy parts for me besides the vet animal stuff that was ooh, that got me yeah i mean it's the the visuals here and then the metaphor i don't want to keep saying metaphor but like the parallels between what she's going through and what you later find out that like the dad and the mom met at this probably at this veterinary school like the same thing happened you know 25 years earlier like it's all what was past is now happening again right so yeah i just and so yeah i 100 percent about the director julia um i won't attempt her last name have you seen any of her other films I need to look her up. Okay. I do not think that I have. I didn't but... recognize, like, this is bef- before you even said, like, you wanted to cover it. If someone mentioned Raw, like, I knew, like, I would know what it was, but I just didn't recognize any of her other films. So she was, she did a movie called Junior. It was like a short film called Junior, but it also starred the lead of this. Okay. Oh, okay. So I don't know that she's done a ton. Like, I don't know anything about her. She's just a French film director and screenwriter. Like, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, no, I have not seen Mange or Titan or Junior. So I just, I've only seen Raw. But like, yeah, like whatever she makes next, I'll be like, yeah, I'll absolutely see it. Just the the uh, the actress that plays Justine, just her, her, her eyes are just so evoking and just so, like, innocent and... But, like, then, I mean, when she starts becoming more, like, animalistic, just 
very powerful, you know, me with, uh, with, with the Hoffman, you know, the big guy. I love the way just he uses his body and his facial reactions to things. So I just really appreciated that aspect of it. She kind of reminded me a little bit of, I feel like her, uh, not on a I'm not comparing their talents but just a little reminded me of the actress that um she was don draper's daughter on mad men she's on like sabrina now she kind of just reminded, oh kieran shipka yeah reminded me a little bit of her just like a little bit like a, kind of the doe eyes kind of just a, l- a little bit um you know i think visually just like the the short kind of brunette in a not gender ambiguous kind of role or whatever, but she reminds me of Maisie Williams, like Arya Stark a little bit. Oh yeah, um, definitely. But yeah, I think, I mean, she's great too. Like it just, she's so good in this role and the posh, like the way that her, she actually physically, like the character, the actor transforms the portrayal of the character from beginning to end as she's, you know, meek and timid and unsure of herself. And then by the end, she is confident. And like, there's obviously the horrific stuff that goes on in the middle. Like when they, when her older sister is like taunting her with like dead body parts at a party. And like, she's drunk and acting like a dog. Like it's just crazy. But there's the shot where she's essentially like, it's a clockwork orange, right? It's her in that party, like posed, like the king of the world. Mm -hmm. Like she is on top, like the ruler of everything. And the way that she's able to show and capture and portray this transformation into literally eater of worlds. I don't know. Like it's amazing. She's so good in this movie. Yeah. I, I love the way uh, the director and I mean, you know, and the DP just again, the visuals and the way that they, uh, and even uh, the editor as well, but just so how they're showing it, how, it, how it's lit and the way that they stick around, with definitely definitely the most um justine but other characters as well but the way when she's dancing in the mirror and like you said that that other scene at the party just the way she's positioned very very provocative i mean there's even a few moments with uh with her roommate as well just like i when he's playing soccer and just the way that they linger on these characters and just really let you like no pun intended like marinade on mm-hmm. what what's going on in this world and just really let you kind of just let your mind wander for a second and then and then bring you right back uh i i mean so they have these visuals and these uh like you said but you know better word for it being pa- parallels of just to animal tendencies and just going, you know, just breaking down, becoming less human. And there are these visual metaphors or, uh, but at the same time, you know, when she is losing her virginity and she is just then going just very much, it's becoming violent and just, uh, or when her sister is taunting her and be, you know, down on the ground, acting like a dog, there's just yeah. great visuals in that sense too. That it's just like, you know, take it for what it is, and and um and and I and I love it. Uh, you kind of hinted at the 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 waxing scene again. That's even more of a scene that I'm like, like it's the it's it's funny. It's like the more real world stuff that was getting to me more. Uh, what's worse, four year old virgin or this waxing? I don't know. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. You know. 
Not gonna say which one. I know. I know Steve. I know Steve Carell really went through that, so I give it to Steve Carell. Unless just the, I'm not. I don't want to know. But anyway, uh, but that's that's the scene where um, where Alexia then loses her finger, and then we get a literal finger food scene. So I'm, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, I have a question for you. So if you were gonna eat a finger uh-huh. that has been severed by scissors, yeah. Would you eat it like Justine does, where it's kind of corn on the cob style? Or would you try to, like, chicken wing it and pull the meat off the bone? Or would you just, like, bite into it, like, popsicle stick style? Because, like, you've got to eat around the bone one way or the other, right? I'm thinking but, like, corn how on do you the, tackle it? I think, I'm thinking corn on the cob because I just... So you approved of her way in this. I, okay. Yeah, as, a, as, as, as the, you know, uh, chef de cinema cuisine, I, I approve this. Yes. Not, the, not what she did, but how she did it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is Joey? Let me ask you. Um, yeah. I don't want to get into your personal life too much, but is this is is this like you find the love of your life, and then you, <laughs> and then this is you know she's either like Justine, Alexia, or the mom. Is that a make or break for you? Uh, if I have to like serve up my body to her, like literally, I don't know, man. That's that's <laughs> tough. I, I think that that that. Ooh, it, I guess it depends on how she positions it. I'll say, right? Okay. So, it's not. It's not a no. It's not a, okay, ladies. You heard it here. Um. <laughs> oh boy, is there? Do you have like a favorite scene? Something we just haven't mentioned yet? I mean, there's so many. I'm just looking. I'm, you know, I write, put little asterisks next to scenes like I, I want it's next to the carry the pouring of the blood the the buffet stealing the burger finger food um yeah any any that you really oh i love when she says to, uh when alexia asks her she says you're uh you taste like curry yeah and then later <laughs> when alexia bites her face she says you taste like shit yeah oh god yeah that's such a boy volatile relationship between the sisters but yeah, do you have like a, a a favorite moment we haven't mentioned yet? So it's it's not a favorite moment, but there's one very memorable scene that we have not talked about yet of her pulling hair so far out of her throat. Yeah, actually, because we yes. see her with her teacher, I think, getting chastised for cheating or for allowing her roommate to cheat or whatever, mm-hmm. and she's like awkwardly nervously chewing on her hair which is like a new tick or whatever but we later find out that that's like her transition transition from vegetables to human bodies right like it's just hair in between or whatever and then she goes and that's the, we mentioned before the vomiting scene but like the amount of hair yeah. she extracts from her throat i'm like oh god she's she's eating so much yeah i was a little that that confused me a little bit maybe i missed when she was like like you said, chewing on her hair. I don't know if that was when I was not that I wasn't paying attention anymore, but maybe like cl- closing my eye a little bit. But I, I, I was a little confused by that as far as uh, a visual. And I wasn't sure if it was meant to symbolize something. I wasn't exactly sure. Uh, I think it's, I think it's nervousness. And I think it's, I do think it's just, it, I, I don't know how to say this because I, can get in the mindset of a cannibal but like if you if you if there's something in you that is like i think i want to eat human flesh mm-hmm. i feel like you ramp up maybe with like what feels accessible like maybe fingernails and hair and stuff okay and then she does blood and then she does the finger and then obviously goes bigger than that right but like I don't know. I, I I think it's just the transitionary period between not eating people and eating people and what's in between. And that's hair. 
I think I don't know other if if it's not that I don't know. Yeah, um, there's just so many like even little side characters like the old man in the hospital with the teeth. Uh, we mentioned the Schwarmage scene, but not the truck driver that comes over. That's just so cringeworthy, awkward. Like everyone, there's just so many. We're just seeing the more disgusting side in life. But at the same time, I, then I I laughed when uh, I think he says, oh, what, "What was it?" Um, oh, just something about like, "Oh, you're in school. That's good. You know that you're 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 lucky." Or whatever. After he was kind of taunting because I guess he heard what uh what Adrian uh, uh, was saying about the truck drivers and they shouldn't be selling alcohol that time of night or something along those lines right um but yeah and then cut to like the last party scene and there's somebody licking somebody's eyeball it's just i mean everyone is kind of becoming just these weird lack of a better like monsters in their own way they're just so just breaking down decorum i mean when she's <laughs> when she's the that ridiculous uh the lyrics of that song and i think that they're i think i read that the musicians the song that she's dancing to uh you know when she at the uh to her mirror and kissing the mirror um oh boy where did i where did i write that oh seduction the first line is like seduction 101 be a whore with decorum uh, so I looked up. So that's a band called Ortiz, yes. O R T I E S, and they're two French sisters who apparently their thing is they rap about men the way men traditionally rap about women. Yes, that, and exactly. And so it's this whole like uh, sixty-nine me six six six. Like it's it's a very sexually provocative. I don't know if it sounds good in French. Who knows? But like it works for the scene so well of just her feeling herself and in the cocktail dress. And like, that's right before I think the sister's like, Oh, have you lost weight? Like you look good in the dress. Like that's her, just the confidence and her, you know, smearing the lipstick. And like you said, kissing the mirror, like it's a crazy scene, man. And I think the weight of the music, it makes me, all of it. Like you were saying, licking eyeballs. Like we see Justine's transformation into a cannibal, but everyone else at this school is like letting loose. And like, what else is going, like what other transformations are going on here that aren't cannibal. Like, I feel like there's other dark shit, or maybe people are just letting it out, like, you know, whore it up, girls, or whatever the line is, the verbatim, like, slut it up a little bit, and, like, they all, like, pull their shirts down. Like, there's just craziness. There's debauchery going on, and maybe that's in lieu of cannibalism. Like, this is just how she lets her freak flag fly. I don't know. Yeah, I don't I don't know. It just falls into that, <laughs> like, very over-the-top... Uh experimenting in college territory but um yeah she's definitely justine is is trying hard especially once alexia shows her ways of you know getting cars to crash and that you know she walks away from that and she just already having a an odd relationship with her sister by the end is just um you know doesn't like how much her sister's hanging out with Adrian. And then there's after that party scene and her sister treating her that way, she attacks her. And like you said, she, um, uh, Alexia bites, uh, Justine's cheek. And that's when she says, you taste like shit. And they're just attacking one another and still like, they don't, I don't, I don't know. They're not reprimanded in any kind of way. They just kind of, by the school, they're broken up a little bit, but everyone's just like kind of looking at them and everyone's like standing around. They're on different levels. It just reminded me, it was like gladiator meets also like two animals fighting in the zoo. It was just very, 
you know, the visuals are just tremendous. And by the end, um, oh man, she almost locks that door, like, you know, shuts her sister out and she decides not to lock it, which is just a mistake because I guess in the night, Alexia comes in the room and again, she, she doesn't just kill uh adrian by biting his like she stabs him in the back with that ski pole right she must murder him first and then gnaw on his leg for a while i guess you know it, yeah just easier target easier prey i guess i don't know yeah i mean otherwise i guess he was would have woken up and started screaming so i, I being a, a vet maybe that she knows a a weak part of the back even though he's a human uh you know knows that and it was a vulnerable point for her to stab him and kill him and quickly and quietly while justine's right in the bed next to him and justine wakes up and just doesn't realize it at first and then thinks that it's herself and then alexia is still in the room and just at this point like kind of catatonic right like uh, i i thought maybe she was just gonna go into full monster mode but then Justine takes her and just showers her off. And, um, I mean, that's, that's the end of that until we realize that she must've turned her into the authorities. I don't, yeah. I mean, like there's a familial obligation to all this, I think. Right. Or is, is the authorities or like a mental incident? Like she, I, mm, so I mean, something, 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 obviously that she's, she's now locked up. Um, and her parents are there and they walk away and they, kind of just stick around for a second and she you know gives her a double bird missing the one middle finger uh and then which is very funny yes which is very funny yeah i like the character of alexia and that actress as well i love the way she's playing this role uh every everyone in the film is tremendous again just from that weird weird old guy with the teeth and then the uh the professor that's accusing her that that dot that on I believe an on-campus doctor and her whole story, like smoking a cigarette, like the whole time. Uh, and so just a lot of fun, weird ancillary characters, the other students that we meet. Um, and so, yeah, Justine puts her cheek up against uh, the window where, where Alexia, you know, had gnawed away at it. Yeah. And, um, and then we get that final scene where they're back home and Justine doesn't blame herself and then dad's like, but I also don't blame Alexia. And she looks really confused. And that's when he does that great reveal. And oh, man. So my biggest thing is just like in the end, like they really couldn't prepare their daughters. I mean, he has that one line early on, like, don't have daughters that whatever, you know, they <laughs> don't have two daughters. It's like, oh, boy, like, what's this guy coming from? But then you get this guy's being tormented. But he's also putting up with it because he says, like, oh, once she bit my lip or once she did that, like, I knew, I knew who she was. And it's like, all right, well, why'd you stick around, buddy? Uh, and then just the, these parents didn't. It, I, that's, I mean, obviously a thematic thing, too, like not preparing their children well. Um, and so, yeah, I'm very curious where Justine will go from here i i don't think i don't think it's a, a a happy ending post even this ending for her but that's just my 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 outlook on it yeah i mean you can see there's the happy ending that the mom found the dad right you have to, you just have to find someone who is i don't know able to tolerate it or willing to put up something right like where it's like this is who you are and i love you in spite of that this, or because of that it, or whatever yeah this reminded me a little bit of uh you've seen phantom thread 
Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. at the end where, like, he knows mm-hmm. that she's poisoning him and he's like, yeah, he's like, you know, again, that's, again, a weird, like, taboo, like, kinky, definitely sexual repression and just a whole, you know, the the torture factor, uh, wanting to be coddled, like, you know, replacing his sister who is, like, his mom to him. Uh, and so, it, yeah, it reminded me a little bit of that ending, too. Just that, at least the the parallels between the the mom and the dad and then um daniel day lewis and I, i'm i'm forgetting that actresses and the character's name in uh phantom thread but yeah so, so similar in that territory so yeah joey I, this was a this was a very not a um i don't want to say happy surprise but just <laughs> uh, because i i uh, i'm not trying to pat myself on the back but i i Back when I saw that trailer, I was like, ooh, this seems like something I really want to watch. But I was just uh, deterred. Um, I guess, you, you know what? You know what I'm going to take away from this? I sh- just, the little reading I do, I just shouldn't even do that. I should just not read anymore and just watch. <laughs> just watch, man. And like, I do that and it, it backfires a lot. Like, there's a lot of things where I'm just like, oh, this is, this is not what I thought this movie was going to be about at all. Like, this is it's not good either. Like, sometimes it's just not good. And I'm like, oh, I should have watched the trailer. Or just, like, tonally, it's not at all what I was ready for. But, yeah, I, I think doing a little bit of research, but just be like, okay, this is kind of what I know the movie's about. And just go into it. Like, the worst case, you turn it off, you stop watching, or you waste an hour and a half of your time. But, like... You know, there's not a lot going on right now. Just try it now while there's a little bit more time. Just, like, blind watch things, right? So, yeah. I don't know. Pret- pretend like the world is your oyster. Pretend that you, like, came home from school, <laughs> like the high school summer party, and, like, your parents don't get home for two hours, and you put on HBO and just watch whatever movie's on from the middle of the movie, not even knowing what movie it is because there's no TV guide, right? It's just like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't know what this is, but I'm going to watch something for the next two hours. Yeah, I I completely agree. And you even it's like an hour, just a little over an hour and a half, which I am definitely for as well. It just had a great pace to it. I really enjoyed a lot about this film. So again, thank you. And this was um, this was really fun to talk about. Anything else that you want? I want to keep you you from you know any anything you would be remiss not mentioning about this. I don't think so there is a song by blood red shoes which is a band that i've seen a couple times oh, cool. live which okay. is very cool they at the at the party where she's like drinking like a pint glass full of vodka oh, yeah. there's a song by blood red shoes which is a british <laughs> rock band which is playing which is pretty cool maybe the only song with like english lyrics in this in this movie but again soundtrack great acting great looks great sounds it's just all of it i love it so awesome. uh, yeah this is one that if people are out there on the fence about i mean you know who listens to a podcast all the way through and then goes and sees a movie, but like, it's, it's so good. It's so good. I love it. Like, it's not for everybody. And I know that, but man, oh man, like it's just so well, like it's the kind of movie where after you watch a lot of movies that like maybe aren't great, you watch it be like, Oh wait, no, like movies can be great. Right. Like people like movies can be really, really well made and really interesting and unique and special and evocative. And this is all of that. Yeah. I mean, in, in a world where there's just so much content and, you know, a decent amount of people, uh, you know, some stuff is picking up now, but still we have a bit more time, whether you're not commuting to work anymore or people are, they're looking for work. And if you want to find some good content, I mean, that's the biggest, I was listening to an episode of, uh, you know, one of my favorite show podcasts, uh, you made it weird. Too and, fast, too forever. Yeah, Thank too you fast. So much. <laughs> Uh, besides that, uh, you made it weird with Pete Holmes and mm-hmm. Charlie Day was the guest, and they were just talking about that and about 
what we what they choose to watch and just being open to stuff but just being selective because charlie day was just saying how much like that was he did you know go to uh theater school and you know did did a lot of acting classes and that kind of stuff but just one of his biggest things was going uh you know to the to the video rental store and talking with the clerk and just finding you know like oh i like that one you know his favorite actor is sam rockwell and you know just going to the video store and finding more sam rockwell movies and so just like yeah, yeah all the fun stuff that comes with that which is still you know yeah, which is what which is what i do too it's like once i see an actor in a movie i'm like oh yeah let me see what else what else they're doing which is just obviously a lot easier these days with imdb and all that stuff but um well joey i wanted to talk a famous uh food scene from a non-foodie movie that uh was also up your alley but a little a little juxtaposition to the the dark tendencies of this so it's a film i haven't seen yet and i know that it comes up when brian and i are talking usually on ps i love hoffman because i'm just i need to see it i need i've seen the first film but paddington 2 oh of course so uh this is I understand, like one of your favorite films. Correct me if I'm wrong. And there's no it's zero judgment. Here. Absolutely, yeah. No, no, no. It's absolutely one of my favorite films. That my favorite film of the year came out. I think I had it as my second favorite of the decade last. Like it just it makes me so happy. I again, not to call, not to overuse this word, but I think it applies to the fourth movie in this podcast. I think it's a perfect movie, and like it's a smart movie. And people think I'm being sarcastic. Like, no, I am genuine in saying it is one of the smartest movies I've seen in a long time. It is filled with such pure love and joy. I think we we're supposed to get a Paddington three this year, or maybe it was going to be next year, but I think COVID pushed that out. But it is so good, and there's a couple different scenes in here that I, I don't know which one you're going to go with. But I'm I'm assuming it might be like in in the prison somewhere. Yes. Yes. So, um, but before we get to the scene specifically, so what, I mean, with, with a film like this, so I, I have seen the first one. So I think, I mean, I general, ge- generally understand what the second one would be like as well. Correct me if I'm wrong. Like it's, you know, in the same. Yeah, I think so. Like the, the first one's really good. Uh-huh. Like the first one is really good, but it's not like, I don't think watching the first one, you would be a, a, ready for how good the sequel okay. is. Okay. Okay. But, and, and, and so then kind of my, Part two to that question is with a film like this, even, you know, dare you say a perfect film, Mm -hmm. are are you, are you holding this? Like, you know, sometimes I'll break up, I'll say like, oh, that's a really good movie versus that's a really good film. Like, do you, do you hold it? Oh, I don't, I don't distinguish. Okay. Yeah. just, so, so the episode that came out today as we're recording Too Fast, Too Forever is the Lifetime original movie, The Wives He Forgot. And when we started, Joe was like, please call it a film because like we, we joke about how like there's no real differentiation like there's like you know there's popcorn movies or whatever but i don't care just like like what you like and enjoy what you enjoy okay and i use the words interchangeably okay i don't can like i think it, i think this is if you're of that mindset where it could be one or the other i do think that this kind of crosses over and it could be both because i do think that it's just a movie that everyone could enjoy and have a good time at mm-hmm. but i also think that like it's smart and sophisticated in a way that allows for deeper interpretation yeah, I mean, I'm definitely, I, um, I'm not one of these, uh, I'm not Scorsese saying that the MCU isn't cinema. I mean, because I love those movies, but I, I also recognize that they're 
going for something completely I also, you know, I, I look at what him saying about them being like theme parks or amusement parks. I don't look at that as a diss because like you just said about this film makes you so happy. It's like, what's wrong with that? That's also another reason I stay away from um, gory stuff or even just dark stuff. Because I, I, why I don't really want to, you know, focus that, uh, focus on that. I started that show, David Fincher's mind uh, mind oh, hunter and I, I god it's so good yeah but you know what i i, I didn't get through the first one the first scene the guy blows well the first scene yeah dude kills himself with a shotgun yeah blows yeah, his head yeah like it's so i I, yeah. I know i might be keeping myself from something really good and i'm sure i will eventually i mean that's also like uh i know like ozark is supposed to be a really good show but i was like ah, i saw breaking bad i don't need to see another like white middle-aged guy you know flipping drugs and I, I know it's a different show but it's just like sometimes i'm being a little picky so i'm happy in this situation since i don't watch a lot of horror that i just watched raw and that like filled my quota for a while i guess is what i'm saying so um but in the end i completely agree with you like if something makes you happy then yeah just just your intake yeah to, you know digest as much as possible of it so uh i will definitely check out paddington too but the scene yes the scene since i haven't seen it that i i went just googling paddington 2 food scene is um i guess when he first meets the brendan gleason's uh character knuckles mcginty mm-hmm. and uh so you know what? i'm gonna play that scene and then we'll talk about it um excuse me mr knuckles Yes. I just wondered if I could have a quick word about the food. Send a medic to the canteen. You want to complain? Oh, no, I I wouldn't say complain. Oh, that's a shame, because I just love it when people complain. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh. Well, in that case, it's very gritty. Oh. And lumpy. And as for the bread... Need I say more? I think we need to completely overhaul the menu. Now, I know we're working to a tight budget, but we could at least add some sauce. Oh, sorry about that. I'll just, uh... Hmm. No, that's just rubbing it in. Don't worry. I know what gets ketchup stains out. Hang on. Was it mustard? Hmm, no. That's just made it worse. Does anyone know what works on ketchup? Chaps? Forget the medic. Better send a priest. You listen to me, you little maggot. Listening? Nobody criticizes my food. Right. Nobody squirts condiments on my apron. Got it. And nobody bonks me on the head with a baguette. No bonking. I'll overhaul the menu, all right. Really? Dish of the day? Yes. Bear pie. I don't like it! What is this? It's a marmalade sandwich. Marmalade? My Aunt Lucy taught me to make them. You mean... You can make this? Well, yes. Stand aside. So Paddington goes up to a very intimidating uh, Knuckles McGinty to complain about food. Uh, any, anything, I mean, just as far as 
I guess for my sake, or I mean, maybe listeners, anything we should know about exactly, you don't have to tell us why Paddington's in jail, and that's not what I'm asking, but any buildup before this scene that I should know about, maybe? Well, I mean, so Paddington can't help but kind of get in his own way. Like, he's just a bumbly bear that means well and just kind of keeps getting in his own way, and he's just trying to help out, and he sees an opportunity to help, and Knuckles is not necessarily the most receptive <laughs> uh, to outside intervention, but spoiler, as the movie goes on, Paddington teaches them all how to love, essentially, and it's so good. Oh yeah, I know. I I love this scene. So I um, do you know if what this if this is on a streaming platform right now? Because I will go and I could find out yeah. in one second. Okay. But uh, I love that he just says like, "Oh, the the menu needs an overhaul," <laughs> and just that you know, like you said, he just can't help but get in his way. So just saying, it's gritty, it's lumpy, and this bread, and then he hits him over the head with this baguette and it doesn't even break and then the whole uh you know it started reminding me a little bit of a uh dumb and dumber kind of thing with the ketchup and the mustard and squirting that oh that doesn't get out but then i love just these moments in film and obviously why i have i host a podcast called foodie films is because there's great moments in food scenes or in food driven movies like this where he puts the marmalade sandwich in knuckles mouth mm-hmm. and that is like in ratatouille when the critic uh you know tastes the the ratatouille at the end and it takes him back to his childhood this is just such a godly moment for him like what is that oh marmalade sandwich and just and then how his it was his aunt taught him how to make that right uh Mm -hmm. and so just even that right there something i know that comes from the first film but just that something just love and nostalgia for paddington and now he's introducing it to somebody i mean that is that is what food is about i mean that's what i think anything that is good and creative music film food any kind of art that's what that's so i should say that's what art is about and so i you know i consider food in that category as well and so i absolutely i i i love watching this scene so i can't wait to watch the movie it does not look like it's streaming for free anywhere, but you can rent it just about anywhere for four bucks. Okay. And I will tell you, it is the best four dollars you can spend because it is pure and wonderful and full of magic. It is, or I'm not even gonna say spend eight bucks to buy it because you're gonna want to watch it more than once. Like there's <laughs> there's very okay. few movies that I'm gonna say you should like pay more, but like it's it's so good. I w- will do. I I I rented Raw for four dollars on Amazon and. Um... So I feel like this is to go into high school slumber party. This is my companion piece, I guess. This is I need to pick one other for my. Uh... Yeah, like after I scarred <laughs> you with raw, I'm gonna hit you with Paddington too. But I don't know where you go from there. Like I don't know if there's a rent to get one free because I don't know. I don't know where the third part of this story arc exists. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a good point. Mm, I'll have to think about that. But... Just watch Paddington 2 again. Yeah, just it's Raw, then Paddington 2, and then Paddington 2 again. Okay. Or Paddington 2, Raw, Paddington 2? Is it... Do a do a... I think it's like that, yeah. I think it's just like, we need we need, we need need a little bit more. Like, it's it, one time it's not enough to cleanse you from mm-hmm. the uh, 
atrocities of Raw. <laughs> Which, by the way, I could I could give you a dozen movies that are more messed up than this, um, that are still like good movies, not just like torture porn, like Hostel, but like things that are more horrific that just reside in my brain, where I am a broken <laughs> human being that just has seen too much horror. Well, uh, definitely. For, I I I guess I'll I'll request for every I you know I'm definitely open for uh, any suggestions, but for every um, raw esque movie or just disturbing movie, uh, I I would I would like a a, a happy companion if if, sure. if, you, if you wouldn't mind doing so. That's how you know the the yang to the yin. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Well, Joey, this was, uh, I, I really don't have, this is your, like I said, third, third and a half time on. I really don't have. Uh, third time's a charm. Exactly. Shout out uh, to Mr. Manzi. Uh, so yeah, I really don't have, you know, I, I, the first time got instincts. The second time I believe. The dream dinner guest. Dream dinner yeah. guest. Yes. Um, so I don't have a question really for the end of the third time. So uh, all I have to say is uh, thank you and please this this was i i um i need to have you on more because every time we talk unless maybe it's because of every time you know it's since it's spread out that it's just magic but i don't know i think i think i think there's plenty more films that out there that uh you let me know which ones you want to talk if uh you know if there are any food related whatsoever and i will have you on because it's always a delight talking with you well thank you so much and i will let the foodies know that there is more to cut Ooh, yeah. You know, you don't even need to tell them what other podcasts to listen to on the network because no, they know. The top. They know. know. They know. There's more to cut. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, get out of here. There's more to cut. Perfect. Yummy, yummy, yummy. I got love in my tummy, and I feel like I'm loving you. Love you such a sweet thing.